One of my absolute favorite Bible passages in all of Scripture can be found in Genesis 22. That's the account of God coming to Abraham and saying, Abraham, take your son Isaac, whom you love, and go sacrifice him on the mountain which I will show you. Now, I don't love that passage because I'm a mean dad going, all right, sacrifice the son. No, I, it's an awesome passage because it had, I mean, there's wonderful symbolism and truth and lesson throughout the whole thing. I mean, there's the faith of Abraham who says, you know, when God speaks, take your son and sacrifice him, he says, you got it. And he goes and he gets ready and he, he gets all the way there. He's on the altar, he binds his son and he's got the knife in there. You see the mercy of God when he says, Abraham, wait, don't sacrifice your son. Look, there's a sacrifice I have for you. Look at the animal caught in the thicket. Sacrifice that instead. Don't do that. You see God's mercy on display and, and that faith of Abraham. You also see it's such a wonderful passage because of the actual place it happened. We see that God sent Abraham to it says the region of Moriah, Mount Moriah, which is exactly where years later Jerusalem would be and the Temple Mount would be, and it's the same place Jesus came to be the sacrifice. When God wouldn't uh, allow Abraham to sacrifice his son, God said, I will let my son, Jesus, be the sacrifice on the same place. That passage in Genesis 22 is awesome. There's so much to learn from it, but I think that for you and I, if you're like me and kind of been raised up in church and had a lot of your life with Scripture, that passage of God saying, hey, sacrifice your son, it, it loses a little bit of effect on us. I mean, like we've become accustomed to it a little bit. We know how it ends. And so when we hear in Scripture, we read a passage of God saying, go take your son and sacrifice him, we don't really get that bent out of shape over it. But maybe we should. In fact, one of my favorite stories, I've told it maybe once or twice here before, but one of my favorite stories about Genesis 22 is a story that happened to my, my son Peyton. I told Peyton this morning that he gets a dollar because I'm going to tell a story about him and he's in here to listen to it. So he gets a dollar out of this deal. But this is one of my favorite Peyton stories. This was several years ago when he was in kindergarten. The boys were going to Cleveland Christian Academy at the time and he was there and I forget what time of the year and we get the call from the school, your son has fainted. Oh, no, what's going on? Is there a major medical emergency? He fainted in class. He's awake now, but a little woozy. Come get him right now. You're going to go take him to the doctor. So Penny ran up there and got him, and I met her at the doctor's office, and he was awake, but, you know, still pretty pale, but he takes after his dad, so that wasn't anything major. So we started going, what's going on? The doctor checks him out. The doctor says he's fine. It was one of these weird things. And so we started asking Peyton, what happened? How in the world did, I mean, never a case of fainting before, and as the story slowly comes out, turns out that the Bible lesson that day in his kindergarten class was Genesis 22. Of Ab God saying to Abraham, take your son Isaac and sacrifice him. That's a tough passage for kindergartners right there. Now I don't know why, but they were standing as the story was being read and explained. And at some point, I don't know what was happening in his life and his heart, but he was just tense enough and suddenly in reading of that scripture of take your son i mean I, maybe he's going thinking i've been bad i wonder what dad's gonna do what is god gonna say to dad today when he gets home you know i don't know what happened but he just boom passed out out cold 
I mean, he took Scripture seriously. I mean, it's no joke. Again, it was kind of lost on us, but it was serious. Was like, I loved, I'll never forget when he finally was telling me about it. He looked at me and says, Daddy, that Willie freaked me out. I just didn't, you know, I love that. You're just going, what? I mean, it just, you can see it through a young child. I'm going, what is God doing here? I mean, really, why, why God, your love and your grace and your mercy? And, all, and you say to one of your beloved, sacrifice your son? And even though you stopped the hand and you stopped the knife, but you still said you tested him in that way? Wow. Again, you and I, where I look at it so many times, we stop really thinking about it. It stops hitting us in that real of a way, but... Just his reminder of how he did it that first time hearing that scripture. What a big deal this is. The more I thought on that experience and that, that passage, I've been personally challenged with, God, why would you do that? Now, I know scripture says that God decided to test Abraham's faith. And he was doing that, but there had to be something more. I'm, I'm always thinking, God, there must have been a better way to test faith than to say, hey, that son whom you love that you waited so long for, go sacrifice him. And I'm going to wait till the, the 11th hour and 59th minute to stop you. Certainly there was a better way to test faith. And so as I've thought about that and looked at it, I think there must be more going on. I tell you all this because last Sunday we started this discussion of encounters with grace. And what you're going to see this morning from, as we move from Paul last week to Abraham this week, that the example of his life and what God did in the life of Abraham, and what we're going to read a few chapters before that story of sacrifice your son, we're going to see how Abraham encountered God's grace. Now you remember, if you were here last Sunday, we talked about grace. We talked about the passage in 1 Corinthians 15 that says, and God's grace was not without effect. Paul wrote that about his own life. He said, my life was transformed, not because of what I've done or earned, but because I encountered God's grace. And it had an, a, a, a tremendous effect on my life, what Paul told us, what Scripture tells us. And as we go on, as we head towards Christmas, some of the other things we see, we're going to see these pictures in Scripture, individuals who had encounters with God's grace and see what it did in their life. And in fact, I'm going to tell you, just to spoil the surprise for you, that that passage in Genesis 22 of God saying, sacrifice your son and all that happened, it can only take place because earlier Abraham had encountered God's grace. We're going to see that. This morning. Now, we need a quick reminder. In case you missed out last week, and, or maybe it's been a busy week and you've forgotten. Last week we said, what is grace? Put that up for us this morning. Let's be re reminded, what, what is God's grace? We gave two definitions. Remember we said, it's a simple word, but extremely complicated and deep to understand what God's grace is. But we try to say it in a couple ways. One was is when God blesses you with what is undeserved and unearned, or we call it this, God's love in action. When God, in his love, blesses you with something, brings something, does something for you that you, you couldn't claim credit for, 
You don't deserve it. You haven't worked hard enough for it. Anything like that. God just says, boom, blessing. Here's my grace. And he does this all the time. He doesn't save his grace for just a few select men and women in Scripture. No, we encounter God's grace all the time. And what we see in Scripture is ever since the beginning of time that when men and women encounter God's grace, God's love in action, when they recognize it as God's grace, they're changed. Something awesome happens in their life. And so it is with Abraham, as we look at this morning. Now, some of you have been here at Bono long enough. You may have heard me even teach on this passage before, but I love it. I love it. I love it. What God does in the life of Abraham and the encounter he has with him before he ever says, sacrifice yourself. And God's grace is on display. But I'll tell you this, the passage this morning, it doesn't say grace. It, doesn't, it is not implicit right there before us, but we see it in the encounter Abraham has with God. So we're going to put up scripture this morning on the screen. We're going to kind of look at it again. We're not in Genesis 22, what I was talking about earlier. We're backed up in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6, has this encounter between Abraham, who at that point was just Abram, and God. And I want, there's some amazing things that happen. If I told you I love Genesis 22 and that story, I love this one even more. Because this is a reminder of how awesome God's grace really is. Let's look at it. If we get the picture of what's going on, we're really going to have a blessing today. Genesis 15 starts this way. Just look at verse 1. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Now, we're going to stay in verse 1 for a second before we move on to see what happens after that. But look at a few things. I want you to notice this. Who starts this encounter between Abraham and God? Is Abraham out there? Do we see this picture of Abraham seeking God and praying, God, I need an answer and trying to find something? No. God just says, hey, Abraham, I got something to tell you. God initiates the encounter. That's so important. Now, why does God initiate it? Well, look at the first thing he says to Abram, Abraham. He says, do not be afraid. Now, if God says, do not be afraid, what can we be pretty sure is going on in Abram's heart and life at the moment? Fear. God's not going to say, don't be afraid, if he's not dealing with some fear some anxiety, some worry about some things. So what's Abram got to worry about? Why is so he's so afraid? Hmm. Well, actually, the, the clue, the key to unlocking this, you see the first two words, after this. What do you mean after this? After God had already spoken to Abraham, already given the promise. See, God and Abraham started with God saying, Abraham, leave where you are, and I'm going to take you to a land I will show you. I'm not even going to tell you what it is yet. Just follow me, and I will turn you into the father of a great nation. So Abraham has been given the promise of one land, you know, his own place that God has selected, and a family, something he wants. He's going to have, if he's going to be a father of a great nation, that means he's going to have direct descendants. But it says, after this, 
meaning some time has passed. And guess what's going on in Abraham's heart? Hey, God, when are you going to do what you told me you were going to do? You ever said that to God? Abraham's getting upset because his timing is not matching up with God's timing. I mean, Abraham left his home and followed where God said to go because, like, hey, great, a land God has selected and to be the father of a great nation. I'm on board for that. But then a few days passed. <laughs> then a few weeks passed. Months and then years are going by and the time is, time is going on. And he's in his heart saying, has God forgotten me? When, God, are you going to do this? Isn't it frustrating when you want something to happen now and God says, not yet? See, that's what's going on in his heart. The fear that maybe what he heard God say isn't true. That maybe it's, you know, not, never going to happen. Maybe he messed up and, and, you know, made a false step and not going to receive the promise. And he's dealing with his inner turmoil. So God... In a blessing, this is already a moment of grace, God knows what's going on in Abraham's heart, and he says, hey, Abraham, my child, my beloved, don't be afraid. It's like God just says, hey, I know that you're in stress right now, so I'm coming here to bless you. It wasn't that Abraham was just seeking God, saying, I need to know what you're up to, God. When is this going to happen? God knew. God knew that he was struggling and says, I'm just going to bless you. That's, that's, here's a little bit of grace. Just know I got you. It's okay. Don't be afraid, Abraham. Hmm. Actually, something funny is going on here. You know, this is the second week in a row we've looked at a passage where somebody, in the passage we're looking at, had a different name than what they're known for, right? Last week we talked about Paul, but originally it was Saul. And what God, how he got changed his life through the encounter with Jesus Christ. Look at this. Abraham, who we, what we call him, was here, Abram. Now, what you guys probably don't know is Abram's name is mocking him. In Hebrew, it's Avram, which means exalted father. And so, by Abraham's own name, he's saying, I'm supposed to be a father. I'm supposed to be an exalted, an honored father. It's in my DNA. And it's not happening. I mean, is that inward saying of God I know you created me for this I know you've got some plans I know you told me but it's not happening God when will you show up when will you do what I want you to do in fact when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham to Avraham that means father of a multitude of a great many see God was saying don't worry he did this later on he says it's not just an exalted father of one, but of many. He's changing his heart and even his name down the line. Look what he says to Abraham. Don't be afraid. I am, don't overlook those words, I am your shield, your very great reward. Boom, that's the message. God shows up. Abraham's been worried. He says, Abraham, don't be afraid. I am am your shield i am your great reward there's a blessing for you now before we understand the depths of those words i want you to see 
what Abram says in response to God. In case you haven't looked at this passage before. I want you to see what, what Abram says back to God after God says, here's a blessing of a reminder. I am your shield, your very great reward. Look at the next verse. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Hmm. Uh, did you catch did you catch just how serious Abraham's response was back to God? God says, Hey Abraham, I love you. Don't be afraid. I am your shield, that your protection against all that you worry about. I am your reward. And Abraham says back to him, God, what can you give me? Since you haven't given me what I wanted. What Good are you, God, if you haven't given me my desires. Abraham, the great example of faith. We still say, Father Abraham. Had, I mean, we lift him up, right? He said this to God. If I'd just been standing next to Abraham, I'd been like, like this right here. No, God, that was him. It's lightning there, not me, right? He says, what can you give me? What can you do for me? What good are you to me, God, if you had, since you haven't given me a child? He goes further. You have done it. You have given me no children. Ooh. Watch out, Abraham. But honestly, friends, how many of us in our own heart have treated God the same way? God, you haven't given me what I wanted. Why do I need you? I'm going to tell you the cry in a lot of people's hearts today. They don't find themselves in a place of worship. They're saying to God, why do I need you? What can you give me? Because I still don't have that. See, Abraham said this terrible, ugly thing that we know resides in all of our hearts from time to time. And he completely missed the message of God. He's saying, what can you give me? Why do I need you? What good are you? Because you haven't given me what I wanted. Now, go put verse 1 back up for us real quick. Think again what God said. What did God say? Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your great reward. You get what's going on now. Abraham is saying, God, I'll be happy when. I'll be secure if you just give me. God, I will be satisfied in my life if I just have. And God is saying, you don't get it. That land, that child that being a father of a great nation, that's not your reward. That is not what will protect you from the fear and anxiety and worries of life. 
I am your shield, your protection. I, God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all things, I am your reward. Not the Son. Not the promised land. I am your reward. You, do you understand just what an awesome thing God decided to tell Abraham? Abraham, it's about your relationship with me. It's the fact that I am God and you are not, and I still love you and want to know you and want to bless you and to have a relationship with you. And Abraham says, why would I want that if you haven't given me a child? Now, if you were God and you're not, okay, in case you were mistaken for a moment, if you were God and you just looked at your child and said, I love you, you I'm your reward, I'm, and, and that child said back to you, said, why do I need you? What would you say in response? Fine then. You don't want me? Go on. Live by yourself. You can forget all that stuff. You want to treat me that way? Find out how it is on your own. That's that our human nature, right? That's what we say. So God just blessed Abraham. Abraham basically cursed God. And what does God do then? Here it is, friends. Here's the encounter with grace. Remember what is grace? When God blesses you with what is undeserved and unearned. It's God's love in action. Go on a few verses. It says in verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Abraham. This man, that Eliezer, who he's worried about, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Go on to the next verse. God, he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then here's my favorite response now in verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So God said, hey, Abraham, I'm here to bless you. I'm here to remind you that I, you, uh, your relationship with me is the thing that will make you happy. I'm the one who will protect you from all the, the nasty stuff of life that you worry about. It's me. It's not anything else. It's me. And Abraham says, well, but why do I care about that? I just want the son you promised. And instead of cursing Abraham in response, instead of saying, well, fine, go live yourself however you want, he takes him outside. Look up. That's what your offspring will be like. That many. More than you can count. Friends, that's God's love in action. That's grace. I want you to understand this. Isaac, the son that would come later on, was not Abraham's reward. Do you understand me? The, the land, the place that God gave them to settle his people, his eternal people, that was not the reward. It was a relationship with the living God. All those things... They were grace, God's grace. The son, 
was the embodiment of God's grace to Abraham. Did Abraham deserve the son? Had he earned it? No way. No way. Did he deserve to be the father of a great nation? No, not at all. God's grace showed up. And I think in that moment when Abraham stood outside looking at the stars with God and realized that God still chooses to bless him and love him and provide for him and, and give the promise, it changed Abram. And I think in that moment it began to change from Abram to Abraham. It would be confirmed later on, but that's why chapters later, years later, in fact, when God says, Hey, Abraham, take that son. You know the one you waited on so long? The one that you desired so much and the one you complained to me about that you hadn't had yet? Take him. Go sacrifice him on the mountain. I'll show you. Abraham says, you got it, God, because he realized the son wasn't the reward. It was God. It was the relationship with God. He says, I'm going to trust in my, in my living God, the relationship I have with him above everything else that son is grace and he trusted god so much at that point he says god's going to do what he wants to do in fact we're told in scripture that god that abraham was so convinced that even if he had to lower that knife on his son god was going to raise him back up because god had spoken the promise and god's word doesn't fail he had faith but he would have never been able to do that if abraham still thought the son was his reward for being a good boy for God. It wasn't. The son was grace. So what does this mean to you and me? Let's just be honest. We're not going to have confession time here, but let's just be honest. Haven't we all looked to God at some point, having our own sinful heart saying, God, why should I be serving you? Why should I come to you? Why should I give you my attention and my obedience and my faith and all this if you haven't given me that? We don't speak the words, but we know that sinful thing resides in our heart sometimes. Sometimes it's even that promise of God. God, you said you would do this for me, but it's not here yet. And we stomp our feet like little children saying, God, give it to me. Give it to me now. And God says the same thing to you as he says to Abraham. He says, don't you get it? You're not getting that thing because you're being good enough because you deserve it, you earn it. I am God. I am your reward. I am your blessing. I am what matters. I, I will give you peace. I will give you satisfaction and happiness. That thing will not, even the most precious thing you desire, even if it's a promise of God, that will not ultimately satisfy your life. Only a relationship with the one true living God will satisfy. So all the little things that God has provided for you, you think you earned them? Do you think that's your reward for trying to be a good person, for showing up to church enough times, for just working hard enough? Do you think that's why God, God's rewarding you with that, right? It's his credit system. That's called grace, friends. 
those things that you're encountering, that's God's grace. They are not your reward. They are not your shield and your protection from the worries of life. They are blessings. They are grace-filled blessings that God has given you. And he could take them away like that because he has the power to do so, but God in his grace and his love in action has said, here you go. I love you, but don't forget that I am your reward. What we must never forget about this passage is when we go back in our minds to Genesis 22 when God says, sacrifice your son. And he took him to that place. That was a one-time thing. God says, I'm going to do this because this, this is a symbol of what's to come. I've got my promise. I've got my people right here. And I'm going to say sacrifice, but I'm going to hold you right there from the moment. Says, no, not your son, but my son will be the sacrifice. On the same place, same site. I'm going to send my son, and I'm not going to stop that sacrifice. I'm going to let it happen for you and for me. So that you, child, can have the relationship with me. Because that sin is separated from you from me, and I'm going to give the sacrifice. I'll go through what I asked Abraham not to go through. I'll give the sacrifice. I did it in grace so you can have the reward of me. The relationship you have with God through the Savior, Jesus Christ, that is the reward. That's the blessing. That is the satisfaction. That is your peace. That is your joy. Nothing else. So sometimes we need a bit of a rearrangement of priorities. Sometimes we need God to say to us, hey, sacrifice that. And if we start holding us, but no, God, you can't have this. Because this is, this is, see, this is what makes me happy. This is my reward, right? Even that child, even that most beloved thing, he says, no, I am your reward. So maybe you're encountering grace a little bit more often than you realize. You are. God's grace is so evident, so powerful, so real. You just need to recognize it for what it was. You don't need to go to God and say, but God, this is what will make me happy. We're in a season right now that all these people are going around saying, go just get me that latest thing, buy me that whatever, and I'll be happy. We're teaching that to our kids. They just get enough stuff and you'll be happy. Did you get enough good things for Christmas? Are you happy now? No. Those toys break. Those things fade away. The, the blessing you thought you'd get doesn't last. But God does. And your relationship to the Savior for Jesus Christ will give you a satisfaction. No thing, no money, no relationship will ever give you. Only one. So I need to start looking at all of the things God has blessed me with or will bless me with. It's not things I have earned. I'm not just trying to be a good little Christian boy to my God. He is blessing. My job is to be at the feet of my Savior. To have the number one priority in my life, my relationship that God has granted me with him. And then just experience grace after grace 
that he chooses to give. So, friends, that's the challenge to you today. If God said to you, sacrifice this thing, just in your heart, sacrifice this thing. But he told you right now, get rid of this. Are you going to cry at them? But God, that's, that's what will make me happy. That's my reward, isn't it? If you cry at them, says, but God, no. If your heart's the same thing of Abraham, says, God, what, what good are you? You haven't given this to me yet. There's a problem, friend. There's a problem. And you need to go back and realize that by grace alone, you have been given what you have been given. But those are not your reward. It is a relationship with the Savior. So we have to come back to, do you know and treat your God like the true reward and satisfaction that he is? Or do you place it in the things that he simply meant to be grace-filled blessings? So this morning's the time to rechange some priorities. Maybe it's the time to stop thinking about that thing you hope you get this year, that promise to God that you want him to bring, and you'll be happy if he does it. And say, God, my happiness will be completely rooted in my relationship with you, nothing else. It's worth it. Because God, the living God, the great I am, is your shield your very great reward let's pray this morning let's go before the lord right now in these few minutes we have before we sing a song of invitation before we respond right now what is your heart before god you and him i want you to just begin right now concentrate on you and god one do you have the freedom to go to him right now do you have the freedom through the through your savior jesus christ do you know the savior Jesus, the one who will sacrifice to you so that you have the confidence, as the scripture tells us, to go before the holy throne of God. If you don't have a Savior, it's like you can't, you can't go to God. It's like that, that door is shut. It is, you're not going to hear. You're not, the access to the Savior. Do you have the Savior that you have the boldness, the confidence to approach the throne of God right now? If you do, go to God. If you have the same cry in your heart that Abraham did, saying, God, what good are you? What can you do for me? Because you haven't given me this. If you're treating God that way, confess it. And guess what? You're going to be met with God's forgiveness and his grace. He did it for Abraham. Abraham, that great example of faith, said those terrible words to God. And God still met him with grace. God still provided for him. He'll do the same for you. Just admit that's what's on your heart. Admit that you've been putting your hope of peace and joy in something. And say, God, that's not going to happen anymore. Commit right now. It's my relationship with you that matters above all else. Make the commitment to rearrange the priorities. Make sure you know the Savior, the one who was sacrificed for you. It's time to have an encounter with God's awesome grace.